This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, we get it. You don't want to be hearing a progressive commercial right now. So let us tell you something you do want to hear. You are intelligent. You make all the right decisions. You were smart before smart was cool, and you made it cool again. You have a wealth of knowledge, and you are so very clever. (laughs) I bet you already knew I was going to say that, you genius. There, don't you feel better? You'll also feel better when you hear you could save big when you switch to progressive. But I'm pretty sure you already knew that, too. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ghost in the Night on Hauntings and Paranormal Podcast. I am Phil Sams. Thank you so much for taking the time to check out this podcast. Today we have a story that was submitted by Andrew Dexter of his time spent at Gladstone Villa. You're definitely going to check this out, so stick around. Ghost in the Night with Phil Sams. This story was submitted to me by Andrew Dexter, so let's just go ahead and hop right on in and see what his story is. My family and I lived in a property called Gladstone Villa in the former former mining town of Bergad, which is in South Wales. From 1968 to 1978, we experienced activity that simply defied rational explanations, such as lights going off and on. We witnessed electrical cables being pulled, and my grandfather Bill claimed to have had glass bottles thrown towards him as he entered the main bedroom, missing him only by several inches. I didn't personally see this myself, but I still recall the time he came from that room with broken bottles in his hand and told us what happened. These sightings were rare and only seen occasionally. So rare that in all of my nine years I was there, I never once saw it, but I did hear it many times in the bedroom. It's still worth mentioning that my mother, Caroline, saw it on at least two occasions. There were regular footsteps heard in the main bedroom every evening, sometimes during the day when we all would be downstairs watching television. One of us would turn the volume down to hear it more clearly, and my grandfather Bill would point to the ceiling and say, He's by here, and he's by here now, trying to make out where the footsteps were coming from exactly. There were five members of the family that were living in Gladstone Villa. My maternal grandfather, William Higgs, known as Bill, to family and friends, a retired miner, he was a short, bald man who liked nothing more than to listen to his country and western LPs, Johnny Cash, Glenn Campbell, and so on. He also liked westerns on TV that starred John Wayne and Clint Eastwood. My maternal grandmother was Rita Higgs. She liked collecting garden gnomes and liked watching soap operas on television. My mother, Carolyn Dexter, met my father at the local bakehouse on Baldwin Street. She was a day shift regular, and my father worked the night shift. He would stay behind to make her a cup of tea and chat. They dated for three years before they got married on April 1, 1968. They did not get a place of their own, but they decided to live with my grandparents at Gladstone Villa, which was on Cardiff Road. I was born August 24, 1969. 
It was soon after that my, that my mother said strange things started to happen. I was just a baby when she said it all started off rather quietly, like small tapping here and there, but nothing too noticeable. But in time, the activity gradually increased. One time, my mother said that the family heard a noise, like some something or someone jumping down from the attic onto the landing. Naturally, thinking that someone was trying to break in, they went to see what was going on. When they got there, they found nobody there, but the hatch of the attic was open. Hmm. Whatever it was eventually occupied itself to the main bedroom, which, incidentally, was my grandparents' room. It soon made its presence felt by walking around the bedroom, and the sounds of dragging could be heard as well. One day, my mother went upstairs to the bedroom to get my father up for work so he could get ready for that night shift he worked. When she got there, she was confronted by the sight of an ironing board placed on my father's torso as he was, as he slept. What the hell? Was the ghost doing some ironing? That's interesting. I will definitely say that for sure. When he woke up, he was astonished to find the situation he was in. No shit. I'd be kind of freaked out too if an ironing board was uh, on my chest. Let's, okay, let's continue. I'm getting, I'm getting sidetracked. He suspected my grandfather Bill was playing a prank on him. But in time... He knew my grandfather was not responsible for it, and he told his work friends what was going on there, and it got around town that Gladstone Villa was haunted. My parents separated in 1972, and my father left Gladstone Villa, but it wasn't because of what was going on in Gladstone Villa. It was just a breakdown of the marriage. They finally divorced on April 25, 1975. I was barely two years old, so I have no memory of my father leaving Gladstone but he would come to see me every Saturday to take me to see my paternal grandparents and to the local cinema. Great times, even though the paranormal activity still continued. As I got older, I too witnessed the activity myself. I saw electrical cables being pulled by unseen forces. I saw the lights going off and on when my grandfather Bill would play records on Sunday as the family did the dinner. It would turn the music off. It looked it took exception to the British band Slade and any religious TV shows my grandmother Rita would watch. The local police were also involved. I remember them popping their heads into the attic, hesitating not and not going in, but they suggested it was my father playing pranks on the family. A family friend, Mrs. French, was more of a friend to my grandmother Rita. She was very skeptical when, the, when my grandmother told her that the Glassroom Villa was haunted. I still remembered her going into the room, the main bedroom, looking around and saying it was, it was vibrating from the traffic outside. But she soon changed her mind when she experienced it for herself. It was then she suggested the local press and a medium. The medium was John Matthews, and when he came to Gladstone, he started by asking the family questions. He then began by challenging the spirits to perform by knocking on the ceiling, and sure enough, it responded by knocking back at him. At some point, John went into a trance to make contact with it. He failed to get the name. He later confirmed the obvious that there was indeed a presence there, and it was an earthbound spirit, and that it had unfinished business. A priest named Graham Jones was called to Gladstone Villa. He blessed the property, and after a few prayers, he duly left, and it was quiet for a few short months after that. No incidents, but it, it did return with a vengeance, as 
This time it decided to show itself. My grandfather Bill, my mother Carolyn, and I were watching television. My grandmother Rita was reading a book, and all of a sudden my mother just so happened to look her left, and she saw the full figure of a monk standing in the doorway. We did not see this as we were otherwise occupied, but she later described in detail as a monk in typical brown habit, complete with hood over the head, so she should, so she did not see the fate. It sounded very much like a 16th century Benedictine monk. Fred Davies was a friend of my grandfather Bill. Fred was a slim man who would wear a flap cap and glasses and smoked homemade cigarettes that hung from his lips when he smoked. He would sit in his favorite chair by the open fire and talk to the family and watch television with us. One day, Fred was with us in his usual place by the open fire. I was quietly playing with my toys by the sideboard. It was quiet when all of a sudden there was a one very loud bang. It was so loud that Fred ducked his head and I ran to my mother for comfort. When it was quiet, we all went upstairs. My grandfather... Bill would always be first and I would be last. When we go to that bedroom, we found nothing that could account for that noise. Fred later told us that he ducked his head as he thought it was going to come through the ceiling. Fred told us of another experience he had at Gladstone Villa. My grandfather Bill liked to look at the landing window that overlooked Cardiff Road and into Bergad Town Center. This time Fred joined him. He said he felt something brush past him. When he looked, there was nothing there. The most frightened experience I had was when I was alone in that particular bedroom. I made sure the lights were on, and it was very quiet. I was lying in the bed facing the window that overlooked Cardiff Road, when I suddenly felt some, something heavy pounce on the bottom of the bed. I heard the bed springs go just once, and I felt the bed bounce. I didn't look straight away, but when I did, there was nothing there. I went downstairs to tell my family, and we all went back up. We saw distinctive paw marks on the bed, like that of an animal. I later found out that my grandfather Bill had a black Labrador dog called Tovey, who died before I was born. My grandfather Bill and, and mother Caroline claimed to have heard a baby crying. I did not hear, hear it at that time. I took very little notice of what they said. The activity got so bad that my mother, grandmother, and I slept downstairs with the lights on. It was only my grandfather Bill who was supposedly brave enough to sleep there. It was then that he himself had yet another experience. He told us that he was lying in the bed when all of a sudden he couldn't move. He couldn't even shout out to us for help. This could have been sleep paralysis, but he said he had something in the room with him. My grandmother Rita had her own experiences. One day she went upstairs into the room to get my grandfather up when she saw the boiler door open wide by itself. She didn't stay there to see what it was. She rushed out of the room. On another occasion, she said that she had the sensation of some, something pulling from under her foot. We had the ghost for so long that my grandmother Rita gave it a pet name. She called him Johnny, and my Grandfather Bill would shout out the name to provoke a reaction, but nothing would happen. Apparently, he didn't like the name Johnny. Hmm. Mrs. Francis' son, Charles, got to hear about what was going on at Gladstone Villa, and he came along with some friends and with my family's permission. 
They went into the bedroom, frightened one of the friends, and to this day, one of his friends still says it was a spooky place. My mother, my mother Caroline, had an operation on her foot and ended up on crutches to support her. The local nurse would tend to her foot. My mother sat on the chair when the nurse came this day, and the nurse knelt down to tend to her. As she told my mother not to hold, not to hold her, my mother looked at my grandmother, Rita, in amazement as she was not holding the nurse at all. My mother made her own conclusions that it was Johnny, the ghost that was holding her. The only time I heard the ghost being vocal was a time when there were when we were all in the room. One of us wanted to use the bathroom and we could we couldn't get in there. My grandfather Bill said he's behind there. I heard quite distinctly the sound of Gregorian chant, and that was it. Nothing more. We left in the summer of nineteen seventy eight when two local businessmen bought the property and Gladstone Villa was eventually converted into a small hotel, and its name changed to Reds Park Hotel. On the night before we moved, there was one vital incident we experienced, as if it knew we were going, and that was its way of saying goodbye. My mother, grandmother, and I got ready to go to sleep. The light was still on, and then we heard the doorknob turning, as if someone was trying to get in. At first, I naturally suspected my grandfather Bill, as he was the only one who slept upstairs in that room, and we thought it may have been him playing a prank. I called out to him, but there was no answer. No laugh that would give him away. We then heard our belongings that were packed in the hallway being thrown around. The next day, we asked my grandfather, Bill, if he was playing a joke on us. He insisted it wasn't him, and to this very day, I believe him. I had my 40th birthday at Reds Park Hotel in August of 2009 for old time's sake, and it was the female staff that told me about the ghost, and I told them about what happened to me there over 30 years ago. The staff told me of their own personal experiences, lights going on and off, the odd sighting in room 5, a bride in white was seen. Again, as with the claims of the baby crying, that made no sense to me at the time. I did the research of property and the Cardiff Road area, and I found out some very interesting things indeed. I found out that Gladstone Villa dates back to 1900, and it was named after the former British Prime Minister, William Gladstone. I discovered the previous people that lived there, the Kimmet family, in 1924, the new married couple, Michael and Evelyn Kimmet, and a son named Elvin Kimmet. He died at the property just four months old, according to the archives of the Cardiff newspaper, the Western Mail. This explained the baby my mother and grandfather heard in their bedroom. Mrs. Kimmett died in 1970, soon after I was born. Maybe this is why the activity all started. I also found out that there was a monastery in Baldwin Street where my parents met and worked, and there is a property directly opposite the former Gladstone Villa property in Cardiff dating back to the 16th century. It is now public house called the Rafa Club. A priest's hide is said to be there, but it is sealed up. This explains the monk my mother saw. Okay, now he uh, finishes off. You know, that's pretty much his story. Now, he finishes off, you know, kind of with a little statement that I'll read to you now. What I have said here is true. I wouldn't share this if I couldn't possibly back this up, and I have used real names as I have nothing to hide, and all I have said can be verified by the family of those people I mentioned. Sadly, some of the people I have mentioned are no longer with us. 
I challenge my hardened skeptic and firm non-believers that I can assure them that they will indeed certainly question their belief system. Of this, I have no doubt at all whatsoever. All right, let me kind of give my thoughts on this particular story. Um, you know, this it's an interesting case, and it's a common case. You know, I'm not shocked by any of the experiences that he stated he had at this particular location. You know, it's fairly common. Um, a lot of things were really interesting. I mean, he did his research, you know, and to kind of justify his experiences he had there. And naturally, when I got this, when he submitted the story to me and I read it, naturally I did check it out and kind of Google search it and see what I could find out about this uh, Gladstone Villa. Now, it is a place, I, it is a place for sure. Um, and the Reds Park, or Reds Park Hotel, that is up and running. They, you know, you can Google that and find it. They have a Facebook page, so it is a legitimate place. So, as for a story, you know, it's a personal experience. I can't validate or disprove it. It's his story. He experienced it. If you listen to this podcast, I'm always stating the importance of personal experiences. He had these experiences, so it's not my place to, you know, say he's full of shit or not full of shit. I, you know, I think it's a credible story. It's very interesting. I know a lot of my situations, you know, kind of run in parallel. My experiences, you know, I've had similar things. Just like the the one story that sticks out to me is when he was in the bedroom with, and he felt something like jump on the bed, and they came back in, and it they could see paw prints. Now, I've, you know, I've had dogs all my life. I've, I've seen dogs jump on beds. I've had dog, dogs jump on beds. I've never, I, that kind of throws me a little bit. I don't know about the paw print. I've never seen a dog leave a paw print from jumping on the bed, but it's, it's interesting. Um, I've had that kind of experience where if something has sat on the bed or the bed has compressed in some way. And also I've had experience. I'm really fascinated with the ghost animal topic, really, because I've had an experience with that as well. Two years ago, I had to have a dog put down. You know, I had two dogs at the time. I had one was getting up there in years and had some health issues. Had to have it put down. At the time, my mother lived with me. And once I had the dog put down, a week or so later, you know, I'd go off to work and come home, say, how you doing, mom? And she told me she heard the dog walking in the kitchen. You know, the dog would make, you know, it was a basset hound. So its nails are, you know, thick nails because it had big paws. And you could he would make a distinct noise as he was walking, would walk on the kitchen floor. She heard that sound from the other room that, you know, she wasn't in the kitchen, but she heard what sounded like a dog's paws walking across the floor of the kitchen. So was that my dog coming back saying hi? Now I've never, I never experienced it and I've, but I'm fascinated by animal spirit type experiences. You know, when especially when it's a pet, it's a tricky subject because we all love our pets so much that, you know, that confirmation bias or just the fact that we're upset and sad that we want our dogs or our animals, I should say, to still be there, you know, might force our brain to kind of see things or hear things that aren't really there. I don't know that's something for a scientist or somebody way smarter than my ass to uh, figure out. 
But it's fascinating. It's interesting. That concept of that experience that people have is really fascinating to me. And, you know, I'd love to do, I might even do a podcast just on that alone here at some point in the near future. But like I said earlier, I did do some research. I Googled um, some stuff, you know, to kind of see if, you know, just to check out this place and what kind of footprint it had on the Internet. Every story that I found about any kind of hauntings at this particular location, but every story about that location in regards to paranormal activity, Really, it seems like it comes from Andrew himself. You know, it's uh, been on MyHauntedLife2.com. There's been on other podcasts, I believe, that from my Google search. And then also, he's, there's a story submitted to Ghost and Ghouls. Uh, it was a reader submission. Uh, I didn't see his name on it, but the story was pretty much lines up exactly. The story basically was the story he gave me. So it was a story he submitted. He even has a YouTube channel that he basically tells a story that I just told you. It's out there. I couldn't, I didn't do a complete and total deep dive and go all Magnum PI on investigating the location, you know, through the internet. Every story, like I said, came from his point of view or from him directly. And I didn't find anything to corroborate his side or other people with his similar or similar stories or similar experiences that he had. But, you know, it's interesting. You know, if you want to check it out, go and dive a little deeper. Don't, I don't have the time for it. So go check that out and kind of do some investigation and see what you come up with. I mean, like I said, it's a fascinating story and a lot of things do line up with experiences people have, you know, it's fascinating. The timeline, once the female, the wife of Kimmet died is about the time he was born, a few years, give or take. And that is when the activity starts to ramp up a little bit. Uh, they lost, that family lost a child there. And people heard baby, you know, what seemed to be a baby crying. And plus the aberration of what appeared to be a Benedictine monk. And there was some kind of monastery you know, across the street or in the general vicinity, you know, it's all, it all kind of lines up in to where there could be a big soup full of paranormal activity that could validate that particular location's activity. I don't know if any of you have had an experience or been to this hotel, let me know. Send me a direct message from at Twitter at night underscore ghost. Love to hear from you. If you've had an experience or you think you've been there and you haven't had an experience. That would be great as well. I'd love to hear that side of the story, too. Um, what do you think? Give me your opinion. You can leave a comment at ghostofthenightpodcast.com or you can send me an email at ghostinthenightpodcast@gmail.com. That is the best way to get a hold of me, That the email, Twitter, or the website. So let me know what you think. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. I hope you got some enjoyment. Leave a comment. If you like the podcast, we do have, go to the website where you can find the show notes. And Oh, I forgot all the, I'll put some of the articles that I did find um, in my research of this place. I'll put links in the show notes of this 
episode, so head on over there to ghostinthenightpodcast.com. But leave me a comment. Let me know what you think, if you've had an experience. But thank you so much for checking this out. And until next week, take care, everybody. hot and iced coffee from Duncan is made with 20% extra caffeine from green coffee extract because we could all use a little extra this year. Whether that's an extra boost, some extra boldness, or the drive to go the extra mile, we're extra ready for whatever comes our way and extra excited to take it on. Let's get it done with a medium extra charged coffee from Duncan for $2 with 20% more caffeine and pair it with snackable stuffed bagel minis for an added all-day boost. Order ahead on the Duncan app. America runs on Duncan. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. Progressive presents The Sounds of the Old World. The year is 2019, and someone is waiting for the previews to start in a movie theater. Hey, you want anything? Popcorn? Soda? No, nothing? This has been The Sounds of the Old World. Brought to you by Progressive, where drivers can still switch and save like it's 2019. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.